Are y'all ready? We're in a series. You asked for it. We passed out a questionnaire or we passed out. And people wrote down what they want to hear about, what they're struggling with. This was number one today. Anxiety and worry. Oh, how do I deal with worry and anxiety? Well, you do it, you deal with it with the Word of God. God's Word is applicable, means you can use it in every area of life and every day. You, you take things from the Word of God and it will change your life. I'm living proof. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. You need to learn to take the Word of God and use it. You know, anybody use a fork when they eat? Pretty convenient, isn't it? Life's messy without a fork. Life's messy without the Word of God in your life. You have got to learn to take the Word of God and use it and apply it to your life. Amen? Yeah, oh me. Okay? So we're going we're gonna to look at some things. You know, stress is at a high level. Man, there's some crazy stuff going on out there. What you've got to do is not let it in here or in here. You've got to let the crazy happen out there. And we'll, we'll deal with that, but people are stressed out about their jobs, money, health, relationship. How about media overload? Mm. Somebody said they got an email, said, start worrying now. Details come later. What? You know, when I get a phone call, Pastor, I need to talk to you. My stress level goes up because what are they going to talk to me about? Lord have mercy, you know. So, you know, you just... You don't know, and so you gotta you gotta deal with stress. Learn how to deal with stress in life, and, and the Bible says, "Cast your cares over on the Lord." Care is worry and anxiety, and so so there are six keys to counter worry and anxiety in Philippians uh, chapter four, six through thirteen. And instead of reading the whole chapter, we're just gonna break down every verse as we go through it, okay? And uh, I want to remind you that what we're after in this life is shalom. You know what shalom is? It's peace. And the Old Testament, it's the peace of God. Uh, it's nothing missing, nothing broken. In the New Testament, it's the peace of God that passes understanding. You know what that means? I like what somebody said. You got to give up trying to understand and just go ahead and take peace. Oh, I can't figure this out. I, I'm, I'm, I'm one to want to figure it out, but. You've got to learn to let it go and take peace. And that's hard, isn't it? We can get up here and say that, but we have got to learn to let things go and take the peace of God and live in the peace of God. You know, so, so, so think about this. Uh, uh, the Bible says that there are two prophets coming in the last days, and the same plagues that hit Egypt are coming, but it doesn't affect them. It's all around them, and it doesn't affect them at all. You know? Fleas, fires, crickets, frogs, whatever, that's the way you're supposed to live your life, that you are walking in the peace of God with everything going on around you. Whew. I've got peace. Okay? So that's our goal today. Y'all with me on that? It's what I want. I hope that's what you want. And so I want to remind you too, you've heard the word disease, dis-ease. Peace is ease, and disease, whether in your mind, whether in your body, is to steal your peace. And so that's why we do Psalms 103, 1 through 5. we got to fight it. Well, I guess the Lord put this on me. No, he didn't. That's the devil. That's the curse in the earth. Learn to fight. No, stand against things that are coming to steal 
your peace. Number one, y'all ready? Refuse to worry about anything. Refuse. So in Philippians 4, 6, and I'm just going to read the first part of it. Don't worry about anything. I know it's more than that. We'll get to the rest of it in a minute. Don't worry about anything. How about take that as a commandment? Don't worry about anything. And so, why, why? worry is unreasonable. Look at your notes. It's unnatural. It's unhelpful. And it's unnecessary. Now, this is going to make y'all getting real quiet on me, so let me, let me help you. There are certain things that we have to respect in this life. A, a hot biscuit pan coming out of the oven, you best respect it. It'll burn you, won't it? But you got to be like the meerkat. You ever see that show and they're all standing on that mound and they're doing this number. And they're generally eating. And that head's up bobbing around. They're looking for, okay, they know there's an enemy out there. But they're not worried about it because they are looking and they're aware. Just because we have peace don't mean we're just a dumb idiot walking through life and just bouncing off this and that and the other. No, we're looking and we, we're recognizing what's coming. And you sound, they sound the alarm. Here comes a coyote. Here comes a whatever, a mountain lion. Well, I'm doing the same thing. Look at it. Look what's coming. Jesus is coming. But the devil ain't going to let go that easy. So know that. You have an enemy, and you know what? You need, to, be, you need to, to use your authority. You need to find out who you are in Christ. You need to stand and what God has given you instead of taking whatever's coming down the road. Not everything that happens in life from God. Not everything that happens from God. Hmm? So you've got to learn how to take a stand in Christ Jesus. Everything we sang this morning is powerful. Ephesians 1, go read it. You've been chosen. He's already written that you've been chosen, that you've already been empowered. Uh, the greater one lives on the inside of you, and you need to learn to lean in on the power on the inside of you to take that stand. Not on the worry and the fear and the anxiety that's happening around me. And it'll get in you, won't it? Don't act like you don't, I'm the only one. It will get in you. And so uh, Matthew, the sixth chapter, talks a whole lot about worrying. And I picked this one out because I thought it was funny. Matthew 6, 27, it says, which of you worrying can add one cubit? And a lot of us think this might be a cubit, but a cubit's 18 inches. Because, you know, you can slide some, some, something in the heel of your shoes and make you a little bit taller. Isn't it funny how shorter people won't be taller and you see tall people, they're like this. Because they don't want to be seen. And so, so just be comfortable in who you are. And, and you can't add anything. Worrying doesn't help you. Matter of fact, it makes you sick. And Matthew 6, 31 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And here's what verse 33, but seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Come on, learn to live today. Quit worrying about what's going to happen. 
Quit worrying about what, what people are thinking about your past. God said, God said I like what that one preacher said. The Lord stopped and said, do you know that woman's past? Ask her. And the Lord said, ask me, do I know your past? And I said, no, I don't know your past. But the Lord said, he doesn't either. God has set you free. He doesn't remember your past. Once you ask for forgiveness, once you've received Jesus, your past is gone. You quit going back there. The only time you go back to your past is say, you know what? The Lord has delivered me from this. That's the only reason you go back. You don't live in the past. What would people think? What would people think? That's the devil. He comes to make you worry about what somebody's going to think about you. He's a liar. So guilt, resentment, and worry, that's self-motivated. Guilt, your past, you're guilty of your past, I'm not worthy. Uh-uh. That ter- that's self. Get out of self. We're living for Jesus. Come on, he wants to set you free from your past. He wants to, to, to love you and you resent of what happened to you. Come on, worrying about what happened in the past. I never talk about all the worries and cares unless it's to help somebody. Come on, it doesn't do any good to, to go back and run, rerun that commercial in your mind. Rerun that commercial in your mind. Rerun that commercial in your mind of what happened. Mm. Huh. So, worry defined is this. Ready to define worry? Choke. That's what worry is. You're choking. You're choking on your worry. You're choking on on the concerns and and the anxiety of life. Let's quit. So so I'm going to set this out. Joy and happiness is a choice. So is worry. We're going to choose the joy of the Lord. We're going to choose Jesus. We're going to choose the peace of God. Proverbs 14.30 says, A calm and undisturbed mind and heart are the life and health of the body, but envy, jealousy, and wrath are like rottenness to the bones. What you going to choose? Rottenness to the bones? That's the fruit of envy and jealousy and wrath. So number two, this is in the same verse, pray about everything. Have you prayed about it? Oh, Lord, help me. Come on, come on. That's, that's, where, that's where we miss it, Christians. We don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray. There's an answer to every problem that we have in life found in the Word of God and learn to pray the Word of God. I mean, we, we just order some more books. We call it God Confidence, and, and we give them away because they're full of the promises of God. You need to learn to say Psalms 91. It should be a prayer you say every day. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. I abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I say of the Lord, He's my God, my fortress. In Him do I trust. I don't trust. I can't trust my house. I can't trust my money. I can't trust my car. I can't trust my vacation. You can't trust. In things, you trust in God. And we have got to learn to to set our lives uh, with the Word of God. And so... What, what, what we got to understand is that we got to pray. So in Philippians 4, 6 again, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And people say, well, I prayed, but, but it's not working. Are you listening? 
Are you listening? Have you, if you ask, are you listening? All right, Lord, direct my steps. You said you would direct my steps. Are you stopping and listening? How many of you know that your house payment comes due every month? Have you prayed about it? Have you got a plan to pay it? Are you swinging from the hip? Ah, there's a part that we have to play, even though we, the Lord says uh, he supplies all of our need according to his riches in glory. But he also said, you got to work. He also said, you need to believe. You need to add faith with your work. Okay, I know. Are you listening and obeying? Let me give you a story. Anybody other than me ever had a panic attack? Don't raise your hand. I've, <laughs> I've, had, I've had panic attacks. I had two one time, and they were over the same thing. And it was something I'd prayed about, and the Lord said no. And I'm still rolling it over, rolling it over. How can I do this? How can I do this? And then I end up, <laughs> huh? I had a panic attack in the seventh grade playing a basketball game. Me and the other boy that was halfway good was the only thing we had, and he fouled out in the first two and a half minutes, and I was so mad, I, I had a panic attack. I lost my breath. I'm frustrated. I could have knocked him out, and he's on my own team. But, but when you start pursuing things and God's told you no, you ever thought about that? God might say no. Like, don't, go, don't take that job. Don't go into business. It's time to move. It's time to quit this job. Whoa. We get comfortable. God may move you, take you to a place where your light can shine, where you can be his representative, to be what he's called you to be. We don't think about that. We think about working. To, uh, I, I need to pay bills. I need to take care of my family, and that is true. You need to take care of your family, but you also need to be led by God. What does God want? What does God want with your life? And, and, and let him lead you and guide you. And so the, these things when, when you got to learn to hear that no or hear that go or, you know, you, you, you don't have to, Brett, the Lord said no. He don't talk like that. It's that still small voice. It's that inward witness. I was talking to somebody this morning about, you know, you just know something's not right with that place or you go into a place and something, that, that's that, get that head up. Something's not right with that person. The world calls it a gut feeling or women's intuition. But you got to learn to hear while you're praying. God might send you to somebody. Oh, that'd be embarrassing. I need the Lord want me to come pray for you. I'll bake some cookies too. You, we got to listen. Not just pray, but listen. Throw up, well, well I prayed one time. Come on, put the word out there. God said, remind me of my word, not for him, for you, because it gives you peace. I'm doing the word of God. I'm living the word of God. I'm acting on the word of God. Hey, I'm being obedient to the word of God. Well, I, I, I haven't been obedient. Well, get obedient. It's a choice. Number three. Thank God, thank God, T-H-A-N-K, thank God in all things. I know the scripture says for all things, but there's some things you don't be thankful for. 
So you're thinking, God, we're going to learn this. Take, let's take this and break it down, and let's look at what it says. And Philippians 4, 6 again says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Now, now we got to go back to Calvary. Psalms 103, we start off with it all the time. He forgives our sins. Everybody knows that's been in church. But he also heals our diseases. You ever thought about that? Jesus, when Acts 10, 38, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Didn't mean he put sickness on that one and healed this one. He went to heal everybody that came to him or everybody that used their faith. Because he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. What? There's a part we have to play. And listen to me. We thank God. We need to learn to have a thankful heart. There was a scientific study that come out that said you can't worry and be thankful at the same time. You cannot worry and be thankful at the same time. We have got to be thankful. Not thankful for the problem, but thankful for Jesus is the answer. We have an answer to the problem. Hmm. So, let's, let's, let's read one more time in verse 7. Let's go to verse 7. And it says, then, so, so when you get thankful, when you get thankful, then, I'm not an English teacher, I get my wife up here, then you will experience the peace of God. Oh, so I pray, I don't, I don't worry, I pray, and I get thankful, then the peace of God comes because I'm thankful. I'm thanking God for what he's done. I'm thinking that Jesus is the answer. I'm thankful that God is going to make a way. How I may be going through the fire. You know, I believe in and that we ought to speak against storms, that we ought to rebuke storms. But you know what? Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they didn't rebuke the fire. They went through it. And they come out didn't smell like smoke. And people, I've had people say, how in the world are you going through all this? And, and you're not, you, I've even had somebody say, you, it's like you don't even care. I do care, but I'm not carrying that care. I've cast that care over on Jesus. And, and, and so, so, you know, I have walked around like, oh, my Lord, what are we going to do? I, I'm, I have had those words, but there's times when you get in Christ that you've learned to cat, Lord, you've got this. Because if I could have fixed it, I would have did it the first time I heard about it. That's where we have got to trust God. We have got to learn to rely on him and learn then, then the peace of God, the shalom. And the Lord said, Help them understand that shalom. Okay, y'all ready? Heaven. Heaven on earth. Is there any sickness in heaven? Is there anybody stressed out in heaven? Come on. The peace that passes understanding is the heaven that God wants to reside on the inside of you. Any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. We're walking into new things. There's a new heaven and new earth that's coming. We can't have it physically, but we can have it in here. If you're saved, you ought to have it in here. As soon as I die, I'm passing from this life to the next. I'm passing to heaven. That's our blessed hope. I have got peace that if I die tomorrow, y'all can come in here grinning. Pastor Brett's in heaven, and he's doing this thing. I can't dance, but I'll be dancing in heaven. <laughs> huh? That, that's the part that we have got to receive that heaven on the inside of us, that peace, the shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken in heaven. 
Huh? I don't care if you've lost a loved one. They're not lost. They're in heaven. Man, I, I, I'm going to be mean, but don't tell people sorry for your loss. They know, we know where they're at. They're not lost. They just moved to Arkansas. No, they moved to, they moved to heaven. It's a change of address. To be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. I'm trying to give you some shalom right now. And you may be going through uh, hellfire, whatever. Listen to me. There's light on the end of the tunnel. There, you know what? Daniel went through the lines then. He didn't pray not to go through it. He went through it. You're going to make it. And, and then if you die, you're going to heaven. Now you really got the victory. You're going to walk in it. So let's, let's, let's dig. And let me, let me say this. Happy people are grateful people, thankful people. Ungrateful people are unhappy people, bitter. They hold grudges. There's nobody in here like that. There's no bitterness in here in Jesus' name, huh? Quit being bitter. Uh, come on, get grateful and thankful. It'll break all that, that, that stuff off of you. Bitterness. Mm-hmm. Number four. I got six points. I'm moving a little fast, but it's all right. We're going to win. I could preach every one of these probably all week, a different week. But number four, think about good things, T-H-I-N-K. So we're thankful, but now we have got to think about good things. Did you know you can control what you think about? Something just pop in your head, pop it right out. only pizza and she's sick to her stomach it had nothing to do with me but she gave me that look oh that's what we do don't we we walk by what we see what we hear in philippians 4 8 we jumping down to 4 8 said finally brothers and sisters whatever's true whatever's noble whatever's right what is ever whatever is pure Whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. That's another commandment. Think on such things. Quit dwelling on the negative. Quit worrying. Quit having anxiety. See, the battle's between your ears. Right up here. I heard a story this week. Everybody wants to be a victim. Don't get quiet on me. You're not a victim. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror, the Bible says. But they took these women, not picking on women because men the same way, and they took these women and they put a fake scar on their face. 
And they said, we're going to send you for a job interview, and we're going to see if you're being discriminated against because you have a scar on your face. And so they took them, and they showed them the scar on their face. And they, and they said, see the scar? So we want you to go to the interview. And so they said, but first, let us go touch it up. So they went back to the makeup room, and they took it completely off. And then the women didn't know that, and they went to the interview, and they came back and said they were discriminating against me because of that scar. They had it out for me. They wouldn't hire me because of that scar. Because they were looking for it, because they were expecting it, they received it, and it wasn't even there. What you set your faith on, your heart on, the Bible teaches, that's what you're going to get. You expect to be mistreated, you're going to get mistreated. You may not be mistreated, but you think you are. Because See how she looked at me? Golly, now I don't like her. Tell you what, I don't like her now. See how it escalates? And I go and say, why are you mad at me? She's going to be like, what? And I've got all this resentment built up. Okay. What you fill your mind with determines your level of stress and worry. What you fill your mind with. In Isaiah 26, 3, they don't have that. It says, you, Lord, will keep in perfect peace all who trust you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Thoughts who are fixed on God. Focus, focus, focus. What are you focused on? Oh, no, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. We're in the last days. This is going to be perilous times. The Bible says it's going to be perilous times. Yeah, it's going to be perilous times, but we're going to walk in peace. We're going to be surrounded by God. Yeah, we may have to get bumped over here, but we're going to just smile. We got the peace of God. Huh? You know, you, you ever seen those big balloon things and they b bounce into each other? I almost played it this morning. You know what I'm talking about? Nod your head. Yeah, the big balloon and you bounce them. They put seven of them in a bull arena, in a rodeo arena, and the bull came out and it hit one guy and he fell over there in the parking lot. I'm like, that is crazy. That's the next men's event. And um, I will video and let y'all have at it. But anyway, but, but we got to be cushioned. We're cushioned. Expect to be cushioned. Expect, you know, I've had people lose loved ones and they're like, I don't know why I have peace. I don't know why. Because they know where their loved one's at in heaven. What you focus on is what you receive. Somebody was telling a story. They was riding a motorcycle. And they see something in the road ahead. And they're, and they're looking at it, looking at it, looking at it. And they're getting closer. And it was a dead possum. And they run right over it because they was looking at it all the way and not trying to avoid it. Trying to figure out what it was. And it can be dangerous to run over something dead on a motorcycle. But Corrie Ten Boom, who wrote The Hiding Place, came out of World War II. She said, look at the world, you'll be distressed. Look within, you'll be depressed. But look at Christ and you'll be at rest. We got to keep our focus on Jesus, amen? Let's focus on the Lord. Quit focus on, 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 on what you don't have. And so that's where we're going, number five, be content. And we sang that in the song, Jaira, I will be content in every circumstance. So learn to be content. Contentment is not the lack of ambition, nor being lazy. God's given you 
a, a, a mind and given you something to have ambition about. It's all right. He gives us goals. And it's not about being lazy. Contentment is enjoying what I have right now instead of waiting on something to happen to be happy. Contentment is independent of circumstances. Doesn't matter what I'm going through, I'm going to be content. Yeah, my heart may be broken because something or this and that, but I'm going to be all right because I'm going to, I'm going to be content. The Lord's going to help me, and the Lord's going to take me through this. Okay? It's a mindset to learn to be content. And, and Philippians 4, 11, and 12, and, and we're going to read this in the Amplified. It says, listen, I said, not that I speak from uh, any personal need, for I have learned to be content. This is Paul talking and self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or uneasy. Regardless of my circumstances, I know how to get along and to live humbly in difficult times, and I also know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity. Uh, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing life, whether well-fed or going hungry, whether having an abundance or being in need. But what we do is get in that comparison game. Well, if I was them, I wouldn't do that. I would do this. I would do that. And we start comparing. Oh, I don't have that. I, I, uh, there was a guy called me. He needed help paying his rent. And, and, and I, a dude had a 70-inch screen TV that he's paying a monthly note on. I'm like, what is that? Oh, I, everybody's got one. I had to have one. What? That is not wisdom. You're throwing your money away. Man, you can watch TV like this. Or like y'all, it's like this. You know, you, 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 you got to be diligent. You got to uh, quit comparing because it's a source of, of discontentment. Let me say this. You're an original, not a clone. Quit trying to be like somebody else. I, I've seen people try to be somebody else, be like this, be like that. You see it in ministry. They want to say things that somebody said hard, and they, they don't have the anointing to say it, and they're not called to say it. You can't be like somebody else. And we get to comparing, and, and you know, uh, we got to stop. Stop thinking that more will make you happy. The things in this world don't make us happy. The only thing that brings joy is Jesus. Because you can get more trying to keep up with the Joneses. Your self-worth is who you are in Christ, not what you have. And, you know, we could go, go into stories about who we are, what we have. Uh-uh. We're not called, called to do that. We've got to be content in who we are. Because any man being in Christ, he's a new creation. You've got to look at your in Christ realities. God will change you. God will make you like him. God will take all the things that you don't think you're not good enough, and he'll make you good enough. He'll recreate your life if you let him. And Proverbs 14.30 says, peace of mind makes the body healthy, but envy is like a cancer. Comparison is envy. Hmm. Ecclesiastes 4.6, it's better to only have a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time with both hands trying to catch the wind. Y'all can get that. Work, 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 work. 
and so, and so, you know, we, we go, oh, they had the most wonderful vacation. Mine was horrible. You know, we went to, uh, where did we go? St. Pete. Went to the beach in Florida three weeks ago. Man, we had a good time. It was awesome. And if you look at the pictures of the kids and stuff, they were phenomenal. But it rained 65% of the time. I mean, I got a sunset that's awesome, and that was the only sunset we saw. But oh, we, you know, but people think they see the picture. Man, I've never had a vacation. Micah threw up seven times one night. Oh, we didn't tell that, did we? Hmm? I went fishing, and everybody saw pictures of my fish. You know, they were like, you know, anyway. I fished in the rain for two hours, soaking wet. It was thundering and lightning, too. That wasn't wise. The lightning struck the building we were in. I wasn't there because I was all fishing. Woke everybody up. Electricity went out. Air conditioning went off. It's Florida. It's 100 degrees. We don't tell that stuff because we want people to compare what a good time we had. You know, at 2 a.m., clean up, throw up. You know, quit worrying about it. They don't tell all that stuff. And that's that all that happened. And probably more. But my point is, when you start comparing your, your life to somebody else, you're always going to come up short. The devil's going to make sure. But if I had a wife like that, if I had a husband like that, no. <laughs> what was that one preacher said? Man, we thought these people had it together. And then the babysitter came over to keep our kids and said, man, those people got together. She goes, no, they don't. <laughs> And one lady said that, man, my house is a wreck. These kids running around here and, and, and all that. And, and, man, their house is always nice how they do it because the kids eat in the bathtub. She won't even feed them at the kitchen table. She's feeding them in the bathtub. I look at that mouth. Close your mouth. I said, I'm the same way. In the bathtub? Who does that? I got crumbs all over my house because I got all three of them all week. And I'm like, you know, it's just like I need to plant a garden in the living room. It'd sprout up and grow. But to, to feed your kids in the bathtub, a little bit over the top, don't you think? To quit comparing yourself to somebody else's kids, somebody else's house, somebody else's life. I had a pastor friend come visit this week, and he said, hey, I'm almost there. Y'all can start hiding stuff now, sticking it under the bed. And I said, we already done that. Come on in. He said, that's what we do. You know how it is. Come on. Quit comparing yourself to other people's lives, other people. Stop it. It's not going to give you any peace. God wants you to have peace. If I had this, if I had that. No, if you change you. God created you to be you and, and change you. And God will help you to be content with your life. Are you with me? So number six, handle life God's way. Handle life, God. You know his way is better. You know, Isaiah, Isaiah 55 is one of my favorite chapters, and it says, it says uh, God's ways are higher than our ways. And I've heard people preach that, that God's ways are higher, but you can't know them. Ah, oh, man, he's given us the word. The whole chapter is about his ways are better. Do it my way. And that's what Philippians is saying right here. We would need to do things God's way. And Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things. But we're going to read in Amplified. I can do all things which he has called me to do. 
See, that panic attack came because I was trying to do something that I was not called to do. God said, no, there was nothing wrong with it. I wasn't trying to cheat on my wife or something. I was looking at different jobs, looking at different business, looking at different ministry, looking at different things, and it was, nope, nope, stay the course. But I just kept rolling around. How many times was we thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it? And then it turns into worry, turns into stress, turns into anxiety, and turns into a panic attack. <laughs> Peace on you. I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. How can you do it? Because Christ on the inside of me. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Huh? Do you, so, so what we've got to recognize is that peace means we're in faith. Peace means we're trusting. When you don't have peace, you've taken your eyes off Jesus and you're trusting what you can do. We have got to go to where we're trusting God in every circumstance, in every situation. Learn to trust him. So we're going to do it his way. Amen? We're going to trust him. We're going to follow him. We're going to obey him. What? You mean I can't do it my way? You mean I have to be obedient to this? Jesus, I have to do what the Word says. James said, just don't be a hearer, but be a doer. Do the Word. It's, it's the best way. It hurts doing the Word because that ain't what you want to do. want to pray. Some of us are like that. You know, you, you ever heard the mama put the little boy in the corner? You're in timeout. Sit down. He's sitting in the corner with his nose in the corner. I may be sitting down, but on the inside, I'm standing up. Rebellious. But that's the way we all are God. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Y'all don't think y'all are like a little kid, but you are. Such is the kingdom of heaven. You, do a, you, you ever seen a kid throw a hissy fit? I've seen adults throw them. So control our flesh and let's start doing things God's way. Job 22, 21 says, obey God and be at peace with him. This is the way to happiness. Obey God and be at peace with him. See, we talked about it last week. There's a purpose for your life. And God wants you to fulfill it. And the only way to fulfill the purpose for your life is to learn to obey him. Not to say, not, hey, I'm obeying God. I'm, hey, y'all, I'm obeying God. Hey, I'm called. Look at me. Hey, I'm supposed to be a, a teacher. And that's a calling. I'm supposed to work at the, at the old folks' home that's, or retirement home. Excuse me. That's back in the day. It's not politically correct, is it? And it's a calling. Everything you do is a calling. Last week I had all these gloves, whether you're a welder, whether you're a gardener, it's a calling. You see my green thumb? It's a calling to have that gardening skill. I can help. 
My son's got it. My son can drop a seed on the ground. It's coming up. I've seen him. He had, you know, a three-year-old. He dropped a bunch of seeds that he got at school, and they all, they're coming up. And, then, and my, his sister, my daughter, called and said, hey, I need you to come do my flower beds. He's like, man, I ain't been there in three years, and you want me to do flower beds? But he has a green thumb. He has a gift for it. It's a call, but God has a gift, gift things in your life, and you need to lean into it. You need to do what he's called you to do and, do, and start doing things his way, thinking about it. In 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8, listen to what it says. It's on the screen. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. That means you got to do it his way. Okay, God, it's not what I want to do, but I want to do it your way. I want to do what the Word says. You mean you want me to give? Oh, Lord. Cheerfully? Sometimes you have to do it by faith. And I'm always talking about money. I'm talking about how about giving your life to go mow somebody's yard? How about giving your life to go help somebody? How about giving your life and uh, wash your dishes for your wife, men? Okay. Uh, Amen, Pastor Brett. Uh, The women missed a good opportunity, didn't they, man? It's all right. But humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Some of y'all been like, I don't know why God ain't doing anything. I don't know why God's not doing that. I don't know why doors aren't opening. I don't know why no doors aren't opening for me. I mean, I see it happening for other people. I see it happening for them. I see it happening for them. Why ain't it happening for me? Have, when, have you humbled? Or can you just sit still for a minute? Can you just sit still for a minute and ask God and wait on God? That's part of being humble. I'm trusting God. Now, some of you just need to, you know, need to do the other end. When God says go, you're like, that'd be work. I'm not going to do that. Humble. Take a job that God told you to take, and you're like, I didn't want to do that. I told you all about the guy who collected hog manure, made a multi-million dollar business out of it. And most people go, I wouldn't touch no hogman there. Oh, my. Paul said, what's one man's dung's another man's treasure, huh? Paul said, I count it all, nothing. I want to follow Christ, and he's going to take care of me. But he did build tents. He did work. He did. God, 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 okay. I'm I'm not saying God will provide for you. Learn to trust him. When Abraham came out of Ur, the land of the Chaldeans, was he a shepherd? No. But on his way to the promised land, God provided for him and made him a shepherd. On your way to build people up, to to do what God's called you to do, he's going to provide for you. It's all through the Bible. He's going to provide for his people. You're his people. Say it with me. I am his people. Let me finish. In verse 7, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Have you cast all your cares? Have you given them to him? To humble, to cast your care. 
We're going to end with this, Romans 8.32. Look at that. Put that scripture up there. Yeah, look, look what it says. Look, I'm going to let you read it just for a second. Jesus died on the cross. That's powerful. What's it say? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? He's going to take care of you. Matthew 6, consider the lilies of the field. They no reap nor sow. Consider the sparrow. God clothes the lilies. God feeds the sparrow. The sparrow's not worried about it, but he goes out and he looks for something to eat. You got to live. Yeah, you got to take, there's responsibility, but we got to trust God and ask God to bless what we put our hand to and ask God to lead us and ask God to guide us and ask him to be real in our life. I heard a story one time, and we're going to close with this. As, as this woman was at the sink praying, and she was washing dishes, and she's just asking God and just worshiping God, and her three little boys, they were stair steps. And all of a sudden, she goes, oh, Lord, where? Where, Lord? And she said, boys, get in the truck. And they got in an old beat-up truck. This is probably the 60s. And she drove down the levee on the river, and she slid to a stop and run down a little 16-year-old girl that was pregnant was about to jump in the Mississippi River and drown herself. And God showed her that in a, as she was praying. And years later, the baby that was born was a little girl came to one of her sons and said, I'm the one your mama saved. Look at my children. This is my husband. God called you to save lives. Hmm. What a calling. To, to lead people to Jesus, to literally save people's lives. You don't know what position or God will put you in that you might help somebody to, to change them that they're thinking wrong and break oppression off of them, depression off of them, worry and anxiety off somebody. That we read that scripture, one word of encouragement can, can break off discouragement, a good word. Do you have good words for people? Do you have good words for yourself? You ever thought about that? What keeps me from getting depressed is I encourage myself in the Lord. I've learned how to encourage myself. What does the Word say about me? Man, I am an overcomer. I am more than a conqueror. I have victory. 1 Corinthians 15 is all about victory. Victory over death, but in every area of life. You can claim it. I'm asking you today, are you going after the victory or are you just going to sit in the muck and the mire? There's a psalm that says he pulled us out of the muck and mire and set us on the rock. And the rock is Jesus Christ. So I want you to close your eyes just for a second. Look at your heart this morning. Let God pull you up. Let Jesus take a hold of you and pull you up on the rock if you're here today and you've never 
believed in Jesus, you've never formally confessed him as Lord and Savior, today's the day of salvation. If you're not saved, you're not sure you're saved, you need some assurance, God wants to save you. He sent Jesus. If that's you, would you just wave at me and say, Pastor, I, I want to pray. I, I want to I receive Jesus for the first time. Anyone. I trust everybody saved. Now look at me, everybody. Let's just break some stuff off of us today by the words of our mouth, okay? Listen to me. God's called you. God set you apart. You're his own. We talked about that last week. He's, you're his child. Now start acting like it. You say, well, Pastor, I, I'm worried about I won't. Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. You're good enough. Because of Jesus. I'm not good enough without Jesus. Nobody's good enough. But we're good enough because of the blood of the Lamb. Jesus and his sacrifice. It's that will, if any man be in Christ, I'm inside this shirt. I'm inside these shoes. I'm inside Jesus. And when God sees me, he's not looking at how unworthy and stupid I am. He's looking at Jesus in me. And he washes me. So say this with me. Say, Father, today I break worry and anxiety off of my life. I receive the peace of God that passes understanding. I will walk in peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, look at me. The Bible says the devil comes immediately to steal the word of God. The devil's he follows us all. He's going to come try to steal your peace as soon as you walk out the door. Kids are going to get on your last nerve. Your husband's going to have bad breath. Uh, something's going to try to steal your peace. Somebody's going to pull out in front of you and do 20 miles an hour in a 45. Don't let it happen. Just laugh about it. Can't steal my peace. Can't have my peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.